Hello, and welcome back to the Wise Athletes Podcast with your host, Joe Lavelle. On today's episode number 105, I am speaking with Professor Prue Hart, who is a photoimmunologist and researcher investigating the beneficial effects of UV light on health and disease. Professor Hart agreed to come on to the Wise Athletes Podcast to share an important message. Despite the fear-mongering about skin cancer and skin aging, research has shown that too little sun exposure is linked to increased mortality and multiple chronic diseases, including autoimmune and cardiovascular diseases. In addition, vitamin D is only one of many molecules made by our bodies in response to UV light. Others include nitric oxide and uracanic acid. So the key is this, you cannot get sunshine in a pill. Vitamin D is not enough. So listen in to learn how to find the sweet spot of UV light for the many health benefits while avoiding the harmful effects of too much UV light. All right, let's talk to Professor Pruhart. Professor Pruhart, welcome to the Wise Athletes Podcast. Oh, thank you very much. Professor Hart, or should I call you Pru? Please call me Pru. I will do that. Okay. Our talk today, as you know, is about UV light, ultraviolet light. I wonder if you could tell us a bit about your background. You know, how do you come to know so much about UV light? Well, first of all, I should probably introduce myself. I'm a research professor at the Telethon Kids Institute at the University of Western Australia. So this is in Mm. Perth, which is down in the southwest corner of Australia. Okay. I'm a photoimmunologist. I'm particularly interested in the consequences of sunlight on skin and changes in immune cell activity, both in the skin and systemically, because we must remember that the immune system controls or at least partially modulates most human diseases and by correlation then our health. Yeah. My history is that I spent a few decades studying the impact of ultraviolet components of sunlight on the immune system in mice, but the results were so compelling that UV can suppress inflammatory conditions that I've spent the last 10 years running a trial of giving UVB light in the clinic to regulate multiple sclerosis development in patients with a preform of the disease. So hopefully I can tell you more about that later in the podcast. And hopefully by the end of the podcast too, I hope you will agree that we need more nuanced sun exposure messages, not those that just say stay out of the sun and prevent skin cancers. Wow. That sounds like the sort of thing that I, I want to hear more about. I want to hear about the impact on the immune system and then just in general the effects on our health and how we can get more health and maybe less negative impacts on our health. We'll try to squeeze in here some talk about tips and how people can do right by themselves. I have to say, you know, for the sake of the audience, and it's like people are thinking, oh, UV light. Yeah, I've heard of that already. What do I, I wear sunscreen. Okay, next. I, when I heard you talk recently, I was struck by just how much what I knew, quote unquote, about UV light was wrong. And so I am very excited that you're here to (laughs) illuminate us on this uh, subject. But I wonder if um, maybe before we dive right into uh, UV light, maybe we should paint the landscape first. Where does UV light come from? What is this? Let's talk about the sun. You know, the, the sun is this big ball of fire and it's 
sending a lot of energy toward us. And one bit of that energy is this UV light. And it's funny that we call it light, even though you can't see it. Anyway, what is this stuff, energy that's coming from the sun? And then what is the UV part of that? Well, we all think of, of visible light when we think of sunlight. I mean, there are wavelengths of 400 to 700, and that's the light by which we see colours. What the component we don't see is ultraviolet. Now, this is very high energy, lower wavelength light. Uh, the ozone layer around the Earth will cut out most UV light. Hmm. But there is a, some wavelengths from about 280 to about 400 that do get through uh, and reach the Earth's surface, and that's ultraviolet light. We've got uh, UVB is the highest energy, shortest wavelength. UVA is closer to visible light. And then on the other side of visible radiation, there's the near-infrared and the infrared, and that's also wavelengths we don't see. They're much longer wavelengths. They obviously haven't got the potential to be damaging like the high-energy UV ones, which are the ones that, that are the mystery because they can cause damage in the skin we know about causing DNA, but they also have photoreceptors and the skin responds and, and has protective mechanisms. And this goes beyond the skin systemically throughout our body. So I always think of sunlight hitting the skin. We've got the damaging effects on the skin level and the protective effects which are more than skin deep and um, are the whole body systemic effects. And those are the ones where it becomes risk versus benefit. And the benefits, it's been in the last 10, 15 years, the realisation of the benefits of sun exposure far outweigh any of those damaging things that just happened at the skin level. Oh, interesting. Okay, so it's focusing in on the UV, there are health benefits from it. Our body is expecting it. Of course, we've all heard about vitamin D and that we need vitamin D. You know, and the, and the talk is that if you don't get enough sun, well, okay, some take some sunshine in a pill, you know, and supplement with vitamin D. And I, I, I think you're going to tell us, no, that is not the answer. But still, there, there is some damage, right? We've all heard of the cancers and, and we're all sort of terrified, really, of, of getting these skin cancers but also we don't want to get wrinkled either, um, you know, from too much uh, sun exposure. But there are some benefits. And so it, maybe it's this, you know, U-curve thing where too little is not good and too much is not good, but just right amount is what we're after. So true. But also it, it's the nature of the benefits. There's been actually two studies in the world now that have shown all-cause mortality the more sun you have in your lifetime, the more sun exposure, the longer you live. Wow. Now, this has been shown in Sweden and now has been shown in the UK Biobank, well, data from the UK Biobank, that the more sun exposure you have as a, on a population live, level, the longer you live. And, in fact, there's been studies in Australia. Those people with skin cancers 
are the healthiest people. Wow. They're getting the internal benefits of sun exposure. And this has been shown just so much around the world. And, and it's, it's not only, as I said, you live longer, but then we can break it down to the diseases and the conditions and where the sun is helping us most. And as an immunologist, I'd say, well, we'll start with the immune system. And sun exposure causes a sort of homeostasis of the immune system. So you don't have overactivity. You don't have autoimmunity. Mm. So you, you're calming inflammatory conditions like autoimmune diseases, multiple sclerosis, type 1 diabetes. They all have latitude gradients, which mean there's a higher incidence the further populations live from the equator. So there's less sun exposure the further you leave, live from the equator and therefore more of these autoimmune conditions. Wow. Even within Australia, there's this gradient. I mean, North Queensland has sevenfold less multiple sclerosis than down Tasmania at the, the southern end of Australia. Well, where, where the seasons are more extreme. Exactly. That's interesting. The, the other condition that when I say you live longer, if you've got skin cancers, well, skin cancers are just a, a marker, you've been in the sun, is cardiovascular disease. Now, we know that sun exposure can reduce blood pressure. Even in summer, your blood pressure is four to five millimetres of mercury lower than it is in winter. Now, is that the nitric oxide effect? It is the nitric oxide effect. But if you think that's a natural way in seasons to reduce blood pressure, think what that does for cardi the, the incidence of cardiovascular disease, which is just the greatest killer of, of humans. And I could go on with a number of conditions where the sun from the skin talks to all your other organs of the body. I mean, there's the brain axis, the skin-brain axis, there's the skin brain gonad axis, there's the skin endocrine axis, there's the skin uh, gut axis. For example, we even find changes in gut microbiota from people who've been out in the sun. Wow. And, and you know your gut bugs can, can have a big uh, impact on human beings. Oh, sure. Well, so if this was near-infrared light, which could penetrate... I you could think, oh, well, the light wavelengths are penetrating into the gut, and so that's why it's uh, having an effect. But UV does no, not penetrate. No, 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 so how? No. So it's somehow just doing something in the skin, and then there's some downstream effect on the gut. There are a lot of photoreceptors in the skin. Vitamin D is only one of them. The, the 7-dehydrocholesterol of keratinocytes to make vitamin D is just one of the photoreceptors in skin. There's about six or seven known that absorb UVB photons and then initiate signaling pathways, which then drain to the lymph nodes and then drain systemically. And it's, it's really exciting. There's a, a molecule called uricanic acid, which is in the skin. Now it can affect, uh, it's produced 
uh, in response, the, the cis isomer is formed in response to UV. It then goes systemically, can affect immune cells. It can get into the brain and affects learning and memory. Wow. We believe it's a histidine molecule. We believe it gets into a, a metabolic cycle in the brain and increases learning and development through its then production into glutamate, which is a neurotransmitter. This is why you're saying you cannot just take a vitamin D pill and make up for not getting enough sun. Certainly, certainly. And I, I think the evidence on vitamin D, we used to think it was the panacea. The, the big pharma told, told us it was the big panacea, that it was the, the wonder molecule. The trouble is, and, and that was because if you've got low vitamin D levels in your blood, you tend to have less good health and more disease. Therefore, you should be able to supplement and take vitamin D and gain better health and less disease. But all the supplementation trials with vitamin D have shown almost a, a nil effect. There is no evidence that vitamin D is the magic molecule produced in the skin. There are these other molecules produced, and I think it was probably naive of us to think that vitamin D, we, we only had one pathway. Yeah. Um, and even in, in the Industrial Revolution, they discovered that vitamin D was important for bone development because children in factories were getting bow-legged their bones weren't developing properly. But even trials now of vitamin D to adults is showing little effect in bone health. Mm. So, again, we, we, we've got to take a step backwards. We've got to be intelligent and say, well, if it's not vitamin D, and we know a lot of other molecules are produced in the skin, but we still haven't fine-tuned exactly which they are, we need to take a step backwards and say, let's just give sunlight or a surrogate of sunlight to, to improve health. And that's where the trials are going now, is to give a surrogate of sunlight, like UVB light that's given in dermatologists' rooms. So a lamp? Yes, and give it to people and see if that reverses their disease. And that's probably where I've come in and given it to patients with very early multiple sclerosis. Wow. Well, this is powerful stuff. I guess, you know, maybe the vitamin D does something, but it's not enough. And maybe the, in, in the old days, I remember like sanitariums were, you know, part of hospitals were that people would, they would take people out, wheel them out, onto a deck in the sunshine. And that was a part of healing. So we, we've always, we've known for a long time that the sun helps us. And we're now just confirming that our assumption that it was the vitamin D is wrong. There's a lot of things that are happening. And again, that in the sun's energy is coming in lots of different wavelengths. And we're here talking about just the UV part, but even just the UV, has some powerful effects on our body. And that's because our body evolved to expect it. And so we've got 
these receptors in our skin that is that is waiting for the sun to come. And when the sun, the UV light comes, things happen that are good. I guess going back to the old story of UV light is bad, you can get too much and bad things can happen. But I assume our bodies know that and defend against that also. Is that right? That is so true. I mean, the skin has inbuilt mechanisms to cope with the effect of UV having an effect on the DNA in our skin cells. We know our skin cells slough off. We, we, when you get dry skin, you, your scales drop off. So a lot of the damage of the skin is removed continually as the skin sloughs oh. off. We also have what's called an innate immune system in our skin, and it destroys bacteria in our skin. For example, an acne bacteria, that's UV affecting our innate immune system to kill things like acne bacteria. Mm. Also, that was the story with TB. That's why people with TB were given uh, UV light. Mm. But also, I mean, the skin is innovated. There's, there's nerves. We know the nerves are tickled by UV light and send various signals to uh, boost our immune system and boost our protective mechanisms and result in our adaptive immune system moving into the skin and also coping with altered cells which may have been altered by UV light. Uh, if a cell is damaged enough by UV light, it will apoptose, it will die. Otherwise, a, a competent immune system will destroy UV-damaged cells. And the only, and I think that's so important, and it's shown by people with transplants, People with, with transplants are put on immunosuppressive treatments yeah. because you don't want to reject your transplant. Their immune system is, is dampened. And it's those people who really have to be careful going out in the sun because normally your immune system will destroy your UV damaged cells. It's those that with uh, immunosuppressive drugs really have to be careful about skin cancers. Right. And it's a perfect example of how important our immune system is in destroying, we've adapted to have an, a system that removes those UV damaged cells. Yeah. Well, and I guess to, to the extent that people do have a suppressed immune system somehow artificially through drugs or maybe through ill health uh, or age, then they should just be extra careful, extra vigilant in seeing a dermatologist who should hunt for, you know, skin cancers maybe that are arising and then, you know, burn them off before they become somehow life-threatening. Well, I mean, the melanoma is the one we've got to be careful with. And vigilance is very important for melanomas. Yeah. Uh, only about 60% of melanomas are due to sunlight exposure. Really? A lot of melanomas uh, are on non-sun exposed skin. They have nothing to do with sun exposure. So that's how they know that the this where this cancer is is not a place that's been in the sun. So it's not related to sun. Yeah. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. Well, it's just more to the point uh, that you're making. So it's interesting that the that sunlight, UV light in particular, 
helps the immune system be strong, but not too strong so that it does not overreact and start to attack itself. Is that right? Well, that's in the skin, yes, yes. Okay. Um, But it also has this systemic signals that anti-inflammatory, so that then go around the body. Uh, Okay, good. Well, it sounds like that would be helpful for the immune system systemically if we're knocking inflammation, chronic inflammation down. Well, so let's move on to some practical stuff here. Like, what are people doing that, you know, we know or you believe are keeping them from getting enough of this UV light? And maybe they're doing it because their doctor told them to do it, you know. Is like sunscreen bad or stay, obviously, if you stay indoors and you're not getting UV light. But what, you know, what are some things that people do? Do we need to not wear sunglasses? Uh, What are people doing that keep them from getting enough? I always say to people, wear a hat that protects your head and neck Hmm. where you get most of your skin cancers. So a broad rim kind of hat. I advocate you get your arms and legs and trunk should be sun exposed. The the golden rule is never get sunburned. I think a lot of these messages with about a UV index, I don't understand them because everyone's skin is different. You've got Mm. to know your own skin and you've got to never get sunburned. I mean, I wear sunscreen. The problem with sunscreen is that it can give you false security. Uh. And that's why a lot of people say they still get skin cancers with when they use sunscreen. I mean, sunscreens are protective. People do not use sunscreens at the recommended dose. They're not reapplied every few hours. And they believe that they can stay out in the sun longer, whereas that may be false information. I see. But UV does not penetrate far, so you can hide behind clothes and hats? Oh, yes, yes. And as long as you get some sun exposure, I mean, you need clothes and hats to stop you getting sunburned. I think we all advocate that, and I'm an Australian, and I'm where we have more sun than most places, and we do advocate be, be careful, but make sure you get some sun exposure. And so what does that mean? Is it, and I guess obviously it's dependent on the person because people have different skin colors and perhaps their skin is has different tolerances for UV light that maybe comes from having, you know, the more UV light exposure you've been having, the more your skin is ready for it and defended against it. But are we talking about an hour a day, a minute a day? What, what are we talking about? Well, it's very hard to quantitate that. Different places. I mean, I think in the UK they say up to 13 minutes, don't they, in, the, in a, a day? The middle of the day is the time you get your UVB. Ah. Early morning and late afternoon there is uh, less UVB in sunlight, but in summer there's probably sufficient. Again, the golden rule is never get sunburned. In winter, you should be out in the middle of the day. Okay, so that's the key. Experiment with yourself. I got it. Uh, So, you know, if you are out and you find that you've gotten red, then that was too much. 
and and what you needed to do. You know, let's say you're out at a picnic or something. Well, you, you're not really able to control exactly how long you're out, but you can control when you have your shirt on or your, you know, and, it, and maybe you should always be wearing a hat or applying sunscreen and then remembering to reapply. I mean, if you're going to be out in it, then you have to be more careful. But for the person who is not going to be out in it, but they're going to go as like medicine. I'm going to go out every day for medicine. Then maybe in the summertime, it's like a couple minutes. It's not much if you're going out in the middle of the day. Maybe if, if you're in northern latitudes in the wintertime, it's yeah. going to take longer. I mean, this is, we worked with Cancer Council in Perth, for example, and we made it that there was no policy for sun protection in winter, that they should be out as much as they can in winter. Does sunscreen block the benefits? Does It blocks the burning. Does it block the benefits? It stops erythema, yes. It does stop redness of the skin. It doesn't block vitamin D synthesis because all the studies have suggested that the sunscreen is not used as recommended and sufficient vitamin D is made. All these other mediators, well, we really don't have dose-response curves for them. We're still in a very much a discovery phase of these other molecules in the skin, and we need more research to be done. I mean, everything's focused on vitamin D. The supplementation trials have shown it's not vitamin D. So let's now have a bit more attention on the other molecules that will be made in the skin, a bit more on nitric oxide, a bit more on uricanic acid, a bit more on um, the immune mediators made by immune cells that are in the draining lymph nodes. Um, We know lipids are made in the skin that it's UV irradiated. Those lipids uh, they get into little exosomes. It's really, really interesting. Sort of, the skin is such a dynamic organ, and it's sending signals throughout the body. We know that nerve neurohormones. We know that the nerves of the skin are tickled by by UV. They connect to the brain. They connect to the different organs in in different ways. Well, that's good. I wanted to ask you glass. There have been um, periods of my life where the only sun I got was through my windshield when I was driving to work (laughs) in the morning. Does glass block UV light? Uh, Yes. Glass has always blocked UVB, less so UVA, but I mean, there are improvements all the time in window glass, car, windshield glass, and I think more and more there is protection through glass and in your car from UV, always UVB, but now more so UVA. Okay. And so that's good because we don't want an hour exposure or hours of exposure every single day for people who drive a lot. But uh, it also means that you can't count that as your medicine of sun. You have to find some way of getting some direct exposure. You can't be in the shade of a tree I guess the the UV rays do not penetrate. You know, just like you can wear a shirt and they and they don't get through it, they're not going to get through your house or your window or anything else. So you've got to have some direct exposure to, for UVB. Exactly. I mean laminated glass is better than tempered glass, but I think uh, modern developments are are really making 
glass protective to UVA. So uh, another question, I recently have heard that our skin, really the mitochondria near the surface of our body, makes melatonin to use as an antioxidant that then protects us against the free radicals made by the UV light. Is that right? Another protective mechanism. I mean, this is, there are multiple protective pathways and this would be one. I mean, I know more about melatonin produced in the brain. You know, there's signals from uh, the eye send signals to the brain and we've got our, our biological rhythms that way. Yeah, circadian rhythms. Circadian rhythms which affect blood pressure, they affect glucose, they affect our immune cell activity. Um, but as in the mitochondrial, in the, in the skin, I mean, it makes sense. Any, there'd be a, a number of molecules that will uh, act on mitochondrial activity and reduce uh, oxidants produced. Awesome. Well, tell us more about the work that you've done on um, autoimmunity and you know, what is known about the effect of uh, UV light on the immune system and, and in particular on uh, autoimmunity. And I think that you've been studying MS. So MS is one of the strongest diseases with a latitude gradient, such that populations living further from the equator have a high incidence. And that's alerted people to there being a uh, UV light being a component of uh, an, an environmental component that can determine the development of MS. Okay. We know there's mo- autoimmune diseases also have a genetic component. So it's genetics and environment. So the UV is part of the environmental component. A lot of people believe it's your sun exposure when your mother's pregnant. Some believe it's early in life, uh, but the effect, there is still an effect right through to when um, MS is diagnosed. Remember, it's a disease that's diagnosed in your 20s and 30s. It's really for, for younger people. Okay. And vitamin D was thought to be the agent responsible. You know, your low vit- most people with MS had low vitamin D levels. So it was an association, but we know that association does not mean causal. Yeah. And so the supplementation studies have been done. There's been uh, quite a few studies giving vitamin D to people who had already developed MS and it had no effect. Mm. But more recently, there have been studies giving vitamin D to people very early in their disease journey. So it's just developing and uh, vitamin D has had no effect whatsoever. And that was published uh, only in the last uh, six months. So if vitamin D was not doing anything for the disease, take a step back and say, well, let's give a surrogate surrogate sunlight for a controlled trial. You... Uh, needed something more than just telling them to go out in the sun. So we were using a dermatologist's rooms to give narrowband UVB. Uh, These people, uh, they had the earliest form of MS. So they did have a lesion on 
in their CNS, they, in the central nervous system. We gave them uh, a course of narrowband UVB for two months and then we followed these participants for 12 months. We had a group, an equivalent group, who we followed for 12 months but they did not get the, the narrowband UVB at the beginning and we followed those from the earliest form of MS as they developed MS. And, in fact, all the controls had developed MS by 12 months, but only 70% of those that received narrowband had been diagnosed with MS. So we have a biobank of cells. We've been um, very busy analysing the cells from these patients taken at various stages during that year to try and work out how UV has been helping the patients, how it's been immunosuppressive and preventing the relapse from early MS to MS. And um, so it's very exciting. It was a phase one trial and there is a company in the US that I work with and it looks like we're going to be establishing some much larger trials throughout the US um, giving narrowband UVB, even home narrowband UVB, to these patients. Um, so that's MS. Type 1 diabetes is another one that's got a latitude gradient. Oh. It's really interesting. Um, I had a PhD student who looked at something like 2,000 children in Perth or in Western Australia that developed type 1 diabetes. And we looked at sun exposure by the mothers when they're pregnant and during the first year of life. And by us, when I say sun exposure, we could only measure the UV on those days from a NASA satellite. So okay. it didn't take into effect cloud, or, but it was what was the sun at the time the, the mothers were pregnant. And we found quite an interesting effect of UV protecting against type 1 diabetes wow. if it was high in the mothers in the third trimester and during the children's first year of life. Um, but there's um, a number of conditions where it's that UV is affecting a number of conditions, so it can't be disease-specific. It's more dampening the, the inflammatory nature of these autoimmune diseases and causing more a homeostasis, dampening this sort of, early phases of the inflammatory response where in MS you de you're destroying the uh, neurons of in the brain. In type 1 diabetes, you're destroying the beta cells, mm -hmm. the pancreatic tissue. And there'll be other conditions that have been linked to UV exposure by latitude gradients. Mm. Very powerful. Uh, I think that um, there's lots more to learn that will be as it trickles down to the the lay people like me to uh, fine tune our efforts to uh, keep ourselves healthy. Uh, I guess maybe you know, the audience here is the older athlete and maybe some of us are past a risk of getting MS, but we're not past needing to make our immune system work better. So it sounds like UV light is a key part of that, but we don't want too much. But the, what I've heard you say is that the benefits of UV light are whole body and the detriments are just at the skin level. And so you can 
if you err on the side of having maybe a little too much, then you can take care of the problems that show up on your skin. So true. But I'd also like to stress for older people, your skin may not have the integrity it once had. You know, it might be less elasticity, uh, less moisture, but it still has all the photoreceptors to get the signals from UV light. Hmm. Because think of, I said that UV light exposure can reduce your blood pressure, and that means cardiovascular disease, and we know a lot of that is in older people. The other thing we really haven't touched off on yet is mood. We know you when you go to the beach, you feel so much better. <laughs> you get all those neurohormones produced in your skin that circulate. So for older people, mood is so important. Yeah. And cognition. You want to maintain all your cognition as long as you can. And sun exposure through a, a uricanic acid pathway uh, signals to the brain. You've got to help yourself and get some more sun exposure. And, of course, the other one is bone and muscular health. We know that a lot of nursing homes wheel people out into the sun to get. Now, that one may be vitamin D. The vitamin D is important to maintain your bone health, your musculoskeletal health. It really, for older people, it's even more important to get those benefits of sun exposure. That's really powerful. I, maybe we should try to summarize the advice here, and maybe rather than me doing it, we could just ask you what you know. What do you tell people makes the most sense for them to get the benefits of UV light? What do I say? I always say sensible sun exposure. You need it. You will be healthier. You've got a better life. Is that like every day or could I just get it on the weekends or what? Uh, See, these things really aren't known. Uh. Your vitamin D level may give you some signal, but it's just a proxy you've been out in the sun. It's not saying vitamin D is important. It's just saying it's a proxy. Okay, so if, if your blood test comes back with low vitamin D, you're not getting enough sun. That's right. Okay, That's right. good to know. But also, I think if you go out in the sun and, and you feel better. Well, that's worth something. I mean, isn't that telling you you need a bit more? It, it, you need a bit more. I mean, dermatologists say now that melanoma is a disease of sunburn. It is not a disease of sun exposure. So get that sun exposure. Just don't burn. And I often give talks now and I give the title, Let Sunshine In. Sun exposure is good for you. The, the thing, if you've got fair skin, though, I mean, it's a balance of risks and benefits. If you've got really fair skin, maybe there's, you've got to be a bit more careful. Because you're going to burn more easily. Yes. And as you referred to before, think about your, your skin adapts to, to sun exposure. So a little bit building up day after day, and you will develop some melanin and you will tan and therefore you have some protection against the damage to your DNA and skin cancer precursors. Okay. But I think 
it, it is important. I mean, a hundred years ago, they used to talk about Dr. Sun. Yeah. They used to be having everyone out in the sun. They'd go up in the mountains. They'd in TB clinics, you'd be out in the sun. My mother had a, a mother care book dated 1936, and it talked about putting your babies out in the sun <laughs> for a few minutes every now and again. Admittedly, they thought it was vitamin D, but they th- thought sun yeah. was so good for you. I think it's more the technology revolution that's taken people inside, but I think it's also scaremongering by cancer councils yeah. and the like that make you think skin cancers are so bad for you. But they're not. They're, apart from melanoma, they're all only skin. They're superficial yeah. on the skin. And when you get old in your 70s, you just get them cut out. And there aren't even registries for skin cancers. they just too many to count. You just get them cut out. It, it's not reportable at all. And, of course, anti-aging. I mean, that's, that's a negative of sun exposure. But all these other internal benefits, your mood, your, your immune system health, your bone health, your endocrine health, your metabolic health. We, we have a lot of type 2 diabetes uh, in our, due to our Western diet. Well, nitric oxide has been shown, nitric oxide released from the skin after UV exposure has been shown to affect um, a number of the uh, hormones and signature changes with type 2 diabetes. So it's another one where a bit of sun exposure is helpful and probably for type 2 diabetes. If you're going to get some sun exposure, you're getting exercise because you're going outside. Yeah, yeah. So it's a double whammy. It might even be advice to you definitely want to get your exercise, but do it outside. Exactly, exactly. Don't pop those vitamin D pills. So they're, no, they're not a substitute. Right. And, I mean, the other, the other thing that's coming out is, as I said, it's effect, you know, sun exposure is affecting your gut health. I mean, we've got to understand more about that because your gut microbes have so many effects on, on our, our general health. On the gut health thing, what I'd heard you say before is that the UV exposure on the skin led to an, uh, an increase in the bacteria that produce short-chain fatty acids, which are good for the health of the body. Yes, 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 particularly the firmicutes, Bacteria, it's a sort of family of bacteria uh, that produce mm-hmm. butyrate in particular. And butyrate has been shown to affect our immune cells as well as uh, neurons and other endocrine cells. Uh, so it, the system's all talking to each other internally. And again, it, it I, th- I think the skin is a bit like a conductor of an orchestra because it can send signals from the skin to so many players around the body and it's all integrated through the gonads, through the brain, through the gut and it, it's all about better health. It's all about homeostasis yeah. in our well-being. 
Wow. Oh, a question related to these UV lamps. Do people need to use UV lamps? Are these UV lamps giving you a dose that you can't get by going outside? Yes and no. Yes and no. Um, Dermatologists use them all the time. Mm. They use them to treat inflammatory skin conditions Mm. all the time. They've been doing that for 30, 40 years. Mm. Uh, They give a a dose that's sub-erythemal, so no redness of the skin, which is what we did in our trial of our MS patients. It's a sub-erythemal dose, um, but the movement now is to consider home phototherapy. So the units are for sale. I, they have a number of um, safety and security risks with them. Um, and what's the rules in the States? I'm not quite sure. I got it. I got it. But we should be able to get the benefits of it by going outside. Exactly. Exactly. It's cheap and it's just out, out the door. Okay. And in COVID, for example, yeah. you know, COVID, the best thing during COVID was to go out in the sun, go out in your balcony. You know, when we were in lockdowns, go out in your balcony, go in your backyard, get some sun, mm. get the sense of well-being, get, but also affect your body system. Build up your, your defences against the loneliness of, of lockdowns. Uh, interesting. So it was a, a kind of making you feel better, which is mm. probably good for your health. And, and if it's having an effect on your immune system, somehow that was also helpful for COVID? Yes, yes. We know we've, there's a, a trial that's just been done in New Orleans in the US where they go, gave Naraband UVB to patients with COVID in, in a bed, lying in a bed. So they only had 38% of their body's surface area open to either UV lights or sham lights. Yeah. They had 30 people in the trial. The death rate in those that got, they were, they were seriously ill enough to be hospitalised. Yeah. Those that got sham light, something like 33% were dead by day 28 but only 8% of those that got narrowband UVB. Mm. Now, I know that was a small trial, but they've now got funding and they're extending it to 300 people. What we believe is happening is that with COVID, you have a cytokine storm. So your body responds to the uh, viral infection. You get this sort of very strong body response to protect itself and you get this massive increase in cytokines in in your blood we call it a a cytokine storm and that kills you whereas the uv light has dampened that by being anti-inflammatory wow Uh, all yet to be proven we're currently um, working with people at baylor college Uh, they're measuring a lot of the mediators in the serum as they are in uh, the FOSIS um, MS trial that I ran in Perth here. Wow. All right, so lots more to learn, but all signs point to get your UV light even though you can't see it. <laughs> true, true. So important. And, and the, other, the other thing why it's so important is we haven't talked about evolution really in the sense that we all started with black skin. Mm-hmm. We were dark skinned in Africa and 
only about 5,000 years ago, people, you know, there's movement to China of people. There was movements to Scandinavia, you know, all the Vikings up there. And they all developed pale skin to survive. Mm. And they did that by different mutations of genes. It was so important that they got pale skin, that there were different pressures to get that pale skin. And and yet they did it by different ways. And and it's the pale skin people that that have survived because it's so important we get that sunlight yeah. exposure and the benefits to our health. Yeah, another clue. Well, fantastic. Maybe we ought to uh, wrap this thing up here. We're about out of time. I wonder, is there um, anything else you want to tell us? And then uh, how can people find out more information about, you know, the work you've been doing and uh, maybe more information on this topic? Well, I, you just need to Google me, um, Prue Hart. Uh, you'll find a lot of the papers and some of the podcasts I've done. There was a paper in 2020 in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health. Can I give it to you to attach to this sure. podcast? I'll send it to you. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. And that's a good summary. It's a lot of experts from around the world are trying to unite our forces to try and get this message out that it's really a public health problem if we don't reverse some of this fear of going out in the sun with the fear that you're going to get skin cancers. Because as I said, skin cancers and age and and skin aging, it's it's really just at the surface of your skin. Yeah. All those other benefits downstream in, is is far greater. Anyway, so I'd like to attach this paper. Yeah. Uh, to this podcast. Yeah. So it'll be in the show notes if anybody's looking for it. And really, I just think you've you've got a, an intelligent group. That listen to your podcast. So I just want them all to think, look, get out in the sun, just don't get sunburnt. Right. Um, and and you'll feel better and your body will like you for it. And wear a hat. Yes, wear a hat for your head and neck. Right. Okay. Well, fantastic, Prue. Thank you very much. This has been as educational as I'd hoped it would be. I'm going to get outside today myself and get some, uh, uh, just a little bit of UV radiation. Good on you. Good All on right. you. Okay. Oh. Well, thank you again. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in to my chat with Professor Pruhart about UV light. You can find more information about Professor Hart in the show notes, including the paper she shared. 